It's on. There it goes. Try it again. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. We are glad you are here. Would you stand with us as we worship our Lord this morning with Draw Me Near? I am
So 
ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. I thought it would be appropriate to read to you from Psalm 18. We live in a world that today is, is characterized by unrest. Uh, as you know, there's a conflict going on in Israel. We need to pray for innocent people who are being killed as we speak. We need to pray for peace. We need to pray for God's rule and reign to, um, to preside. We need to pray for God's people to be glorified and for, for God to be glorified in that situation, even though it is a very turbulent and violent time. Psalm 18 says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him, even to his ears. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you can take refuge in the Lord. He is your strength. He is your stronghold. He is your protector. If Christ is not your Savior, you shouldn't expect safety and refuge from the Lord because he is your judge. He's the one who pronounced you guilty. So I would urge all of us, as we pray for Israel, be praying for our country as well. Pray for people who are unsaved to come to know Christ as Savior. And if you yourself need to make a decision for Christ, run to the Lord, not away from him. With that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you because you sent your son on a rescue mission to save us from our sin. Lord, as we collect this offering, we're praying for that gospel message, the good news that Jesus Christ came to save, to seek and save sinners who are lost. We pray that that message would go out from Crosspoint to the entire world, not just to Claremont County, but to the United States, to the world all over. We have missionaries around the world proclaiming that message, and this offering will, will go forth to support those missionaries, to support that gospel message that has the, the saving power of Jesus Christ in it. Help us to be light and salt to this world and to see this world saved for your glory. We'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Good morning, everyone.
It's good to be back this week. I was out last week and uh, thought I'd be all done with this cold thing and uh, congestion. So uh, on all kinds of uh, antihistamines and things. So hopefully it's it's clear, but uh, make no promises here today. So uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. Hopefully uh, I won't have any troubles. But uh, got my trusty water here if I need to uh, take a drink. Uh, I appreciate what Brad said there about uh, you know the war in Israel and if it does nothing else you know it it should uh, point us to the fact that the Lord's coming is closer today than it was yesterday we don't know the day nor the hour or anything like that but we do know this it's closer today than it was yesterday what are you and I doing in order to prepare and reach our families and friends and our enemies for Christ's sake. And that's uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning, actually. Um, our motivation to minister. Our motivation to minister. So if you will, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> and we'll be... Starting, uh, we'll, we'll cover most of the chapter, but uh, we'll start in verse 18 uh, when we get there. But while you're turning there, I want to ask the question, what motivates you in life? What, what triggers you to do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Is it, is it the money? Is it to, to earn more? Is it to, to gain success? Is it recognition? You like that pat on the back, uh, perhaps? Is it uh, the meaning in life? Well, I just, you know, I want to be all I can be and, and do that. What is your, your passion for living today? You're passionate about something. You have a, a desire to do what you do. And uh, so think in your mind why you uh, do what you do and that's the question the biggest motivator that that uh, as I've read some surveys and in the uh, discussions about uh, big motivators it's really self-mastery right improving ourselves, personal growth that's what people say motivates them and I want to tell you here this morning that They've got it all wrong. They've got it all wrong. Our job here is not to make ourselves better. We're no good if we face the facts. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Right? So we need to understand where that passion should come from and the motivation that we have every day in life should be from God's word and his power of the Holy Spirit in our lives changing us to be conformed to his image. Now, I uh, have, everybody that knows me knows I'm not a, a Christian music guy. I don't listen to 93.3, and I like some of the, I'm, I'm an 80s guy, right? So I like all the old Christian stuff. And uh, there's a song, I, I shared it with, uh, some of it with our class here <clears throat> a couple weeks ago. And I wanted to quote a little bit about that uh, that. Uh, a verse or so of that song 
And it comes from the song title, Life Means So Much. And this is just an introduction that we need to be thinking about throughout this, uh, this morning. It says, teach us to count the days. Teach us to make the days count. Lead us in better ways. Somehow our souls forgot. Life means so much. Life means so much. Every day is a bank account. Time is our currency. No, run, no one's rich and nobody's poor. We get 24 hours each. So how are you going to spend? Will you invest or squander? Try to get ahead or help someone who's under? Teach us to count the days. Teach us to make the days count. Life means so much. Life means so much. Somehow our souls have forgot. I love that phrase. Sometimes as believers, we get into our routine of doing things and we just forget why we're here as believers. We're not here to make more money. We're not here to get prestige and, and success. Uh, those things might come along our way, but we're here to bring honor and glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Case closed. So what are you motivated about in your life's own ambitions? Is it for you or is it for God? So this is, this is all introduction here. I got, I got a lot of introductions, so bear with me here a little bit. The psalmist said, uh, two different psalmists said, Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your law is within my heart. Their desire was to, his desire was to uh, delight in, in God and to do his will. That's the psalm of David. Psalm 73, 25, psalm of Asaph, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. Where's our heart today? Is it to desire what God wants and to do his will and to desire him? Or is it to do our own thing, our own ambitions for our own uh, satisfaction? Jesus set the example of our motivation in life. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. We studied for over a year in our class to live like Jesus. And so Jesus said it's, not, uh, it's more than just food that we eat, but to do the will of God. That's what our focus should be and our purpose should be. And John, again, in 829 said, uh, uh, Jesus speaking, said, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. We want to please the Father. We want to please him. Paul described uh, Jesus' uh, mission this way in Philippians 2.8, And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That was Jesus' focus. He didn't come just to heal people, and just to minister to people. He came to finish the work on the cross and then the resurrection so that 
not just a few at that time frame could be saved, but that the whole, uh, everybody thereafter could come to know him as personal Savior. In John 14, verse 12 through 14, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, uh, than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is saying the, the, the objective is that you're going to do works like I've done, only bigger, because we're going to reach the world for Christ. Jesus ministered to uh, a small group in a small area, but his sustaining uh, grace was that you and I would be, and they would, would share the word until it became, uh, came to us so that then we might share the word. So that's how uh, Christianity spreads. It's not Jesus telling every person, right? But through his word, we share his word through God's uh, scripture. Every uh, Christian's expectation is is uh, spelled out in that following verse, John 14, uh, verse 15, where it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So what motivates you in this Christian life? Why are so many of us, you and me, satisfied to live for ourselves and not focused on pleasing him? Perhaps our souls forgot Maybe we've forgotten our mission and our ministry for God. In our passage of Scripture, chapter two, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, there's a dozen things that uh, will motivate us, and I'm going to cover uh, many of those today. They should convict us because the Word of God convicts us. They should uh, motivate us, and they should inspire us to fulfill His ministry. It's God's word. It's, it's uh, what he uh, has for us to be here doing the will of him who sent us. All right. In 2 Corinthians, we'll start in verse 18, chapter 5, verse 18. He says, now all these things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now. I want us to understand you have no excuse. I have no excuse to say, I don't know what God wants for my life. Hogwash, right? We have a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. While Jesus was reconciling the world unto himself, he gave us the word of reconciliation and that we might be ambassadors. Verse 20 says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now this should motivate us in itself. We should complete his uh, will by, by sharing God's word with others and fulfilling this ministry and mission. We have a ministry of reconciliation the mission is that we take that ministry and act as ambassadors to the world. Your world and my world. Not the necessarily, we, we do through mission giving and sing, things like that, but 
the person you come in contact with at work and the person at the grocery store and your family and your enemy and those people that we deal with every day, that's your world. That's my world. But still not excited, huh? You're going to sit there and, and say, well, I'm, I'm uh, happy where I'm at and no, no problem. I'm going to just uh, uh, continue on. Let's take a look. No interest in changing course. Perhaps we need to do a spiritual assessment. We've been teaching about that. Psalm 51, David did a spiritual assessment. Search me, O God. Right? And, and so we need to do a spiritual assessment. Let's go back. If you're not motivated by just the very fact that, that we have a ministry and, and, a, and a mission to carry out God's promises and to, to share the gospel message with others. Let's go back and discover uh, several things through chapter 5 that will uh, hopefully motivate us and excite us about why we're here left on this earth to serve uh, and, and do his bidding uh, here. Motivation number one. We will be a body... We will have a new body in eternity. We will have a new body in eternity. Look at verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We get to look forward to a new body. Some of the older ones that maybe have aches and pains and gone through things are saying, yeah, boy, bring it on, right? I'm looking that way too, right? We all uh, realize that uh, life is short. This tent, you think of the camping tent real quick, right? The tent, right? That's not a place that we can uh, take uh, refuge for very long, right? I don't want to live in a tent because you don't have any protection from the cold and, and all of those things, the reasons why uh, a tent is temporary, our bodies are temporary. I don't want to live in this body forever. We want to go to that eternal home where we have an eternal body, right? In eternity, we're going to get a new body, right? And uh, uh, it will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to have that new glorified body as Jesus did. We're going to be like him. And so we need to remember that. Look in verses 8 and 9, if you will, of uh, chapter 4. Just flip back or maybe the same page. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, not yet crushed. We're perplexed, but not yet in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We, we understand, and Paul uh, was probably looking forward to knowing that at some point, he is uh, going to be martyred for his faith, right? He'll be killed according to, uh, uh, for his faith and for preaching about Jesus. He, pre he was prepared for that. He went on to say there after uh, verse 1 that uh, we desire, we groan for that uh, body that will, uh, will be a permanent home. <clears throat> he says in verse number 6, Always confident in the body, uh, always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And yes, verse 8, well-pleasing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. 
So we, it's, there's no in-between, right? You're either in the body, in this old tent, or you're with the, in the presence of the Lord. So we need to understand that Paul uh, acknowledged that, you know, that day would end. Your day in this old body will end someday. Even young folks, remember, your life is, is um, temporary here. Your body is temporary here. What are you doing with, with the uh, time that God has given us? It's not built to last forever. Uh, it provides minimal shelter from the elements and for a short time. In 1 Corinthians 15, 53 and 54, it says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So then this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall we be uh, brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. When we put on that immortal body, death has no uh, victory left, right? We uh, have won. We know the end, and, and we've won. We're waiting in, etern uh, waiting in eternity for us is, uh, and everybody that is a believer, if you're not a believer, unfortunately, you're going to get a new body, but it's not going to be uh, for uh, enjoyment with the Lord. It's going to be a place of punishment, hell. And you're going to be left there, because you did not accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and therefore you will be judged according to your sin. We'll get to this uh, in a minute, that a few minutes, that Jesus became sin for us, right? And so uh, it was imputed unto him, and we don't have to uh, carry that sin debt because we put our faith and trust in him. All right. Motivation number two. We have been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Just think about that for a minute. It's a guarantee. Look in verse number 5 and 6. Now he who is prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we, always, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. While we're at home in the body, we still have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that one day we're going to be with him in that glorified body. We have that guarantee. What a, what a promise to know. Now, now listen to a couple of verses here. Titus 1-2 just simply says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. This isn't something that just uh, God just thought of as things go along, right? This is a plan that Jesus had, that God had before time began. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We have a promise from God who can't lie, that we have the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we ought to be motivated to carry out his work and to live for him and to do the things that he wants us to do, not uh, carry out the, uh, to carry out the ministry and the mission, not to carry out our own objections. Motivation number three, 
We should desire to be well-pleasing to him. Verse 9, verse 9. I, I didn't say this at the beginning. I said there's a dozen or so. I'm going to cover ten. So just be, bear with me here. Don't say, boy, I hope he's getting to the end pretty soon. I got ten of them for you, and we're covering them, right? We'll cover them. Uh, we should be well-pleasing to him. Verse number 9 says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Our, our job, no matter what we do, is to please God. That's why we're here. We're not here to please ourselves. We're not here to please our family. We want to while, along the way, right? But our mission and our ministry are to please him and not uh, just ourselves. This verse, uh, verse uh, let me read uh, another verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Some of you could quote that, right? Whether, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That verse teaches us that it should be an instinct to want to do it. While we're eating, while we're drinking, whatever we do, we ought to be thanking God. Do you know how to thank God in your spirit? Not just say, thank you, Lord, for this food and, and thank you for my life and the way it is in a prayer. We ought to have that heartfelt attitude of, of thanksgiving so that we, as we go on our way, when Jesus said, go ye therefore, that's a going, we need to go with an attitude of thanksgiving that God has has promised us the Holy Spirit, and he's given us a ministry and a mission to do. We should be well-pleasing to him. Verse uh, Motivation number four. Hey, we're getting there. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse number 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to that which he has done, whether good or bad. All the, the things so far have been very, very positive. And the, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment seat from uh, a judging our sin, right? We, I think we all understand that. It's the, it's the Bema seat. It's the Olympian award ceremony. It's the Awana award ceremony type thing, right? That we stand before Christ to receive the things done as a believer. Not our, our sin's already been judged on the cross. We're not guilty. Christ paid the penalty for that sin. We're not guilty of that, but we're going to be judged whether we, uh, what we've done in our body, whether it's good or bad. Now, that doesn't mean get out the scales and weigh out, well, I've done more good or done more bad. It's not about that. It's about the judgment of what's going to have eternal significance in your life. The things that are good, it's described in Scripture as uh, gold, silver, and precious stone, right? We, we understand that. And what are the things that are bad? Wood, hay, and stubble. Things that are uh, burnt up are of no use, no good. And for this life, the things that we do here on this earth are wood, hay, and stubble if they're not for the cause of Christ. Now, I do things that, you know, for my own self and you all do yours. 
But don't count those as good things necessarily, right? The things that God will judge us on in the Bema Seat is whether they're good or bad or what's going to be, have eternal significance, and we need to understand that. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, you know, 2, 8 and 9, uh, generally, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not about the works that we do, but listen to this in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created for the things that are going to uh, be considered gold, silver, and precious stone those things that will have eternal significance. Uh, we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's given us the work to do, and that's to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation and to carry out that mission of being an ambassador with that ministry. Friend, if you're not a believer, there's another judgment for you. That's called the white throne judgment. And that's where you will be judged on your sin because you didn't, your sin weren't covered on the cross, so to speak, uh, when Jesus died, right? Because you rejected that. So now you're, you're going to be judged for your own sin. And so therefore, um, you'll be found guilty. There's not a question of whether it'll be good or bad, but you'll be found guilty. Uh, one of my favorite verses, we know John 3, 16, 17. Verse 18 says, uh, And he that believes in him is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. You think, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. No, the Bible says you're condemned already because you haven't believed. Jesus paid the sin, but if you're not willing to take that uh, payment for your sin, then you're going you're to stand before him condemned already. All right. With that, motivation number five is we know the terror of the Lord. We know the terror of the Lord. Verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known to your consciences. So the terror of the Lord, knowing that we're going to stand before uh, Christ at the Bema seat, that judgment seat of Christ, uh, I can imagine we'll be rewarded for, for sure of the things that we've done. But won't there be some shame as well, perhaps, to understand what our lives have, have been while we're here on this earth, to think that, well, I don't have much that went, uh, that was considered good, that was done for eternal significance in my life, I think we might be ashamed of that. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, if I can, a couple of verses here, says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels prove steadfast, and even transgression and disobedience receive the just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, 
which, is the, uh, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Verse 1 describes how important it is to pay attention to God's word. Lest, lest that we should drift away from his word, we need to stay in his word regularly. Verse number 2 describes how every act of the law was punished. The old covenant, under the law, people were punished for uh, disobedience to that law. He said the transgressions and the disobedience. The transgressions are the things that, uh, that are defiant, that people are defiant about the law. They broke the laws, if you will. And the disobedience is the ignoring of the law, the sins of omission, the things you should do. Shutting our ears to God's commands. Verse 3 describes uh, if such a disobedience was judged and punished in the Old Testament under uh, the Old Covenant, how much more severe will the judgment under the New Covenant? Those that reject Christ will obviously be punished eternally without, without Christ and without hope. And those of us that have... Uh, and stand before the, the Bema seat, no doubt we'll have some shame for the things that, uh, that we should have done and could have done and did not do. Your actions should be motivated by the uh, fear of the Lord. To neglect such a great salvation, God has provided us a salvation in Christ. And then to neglect using that to carry on his work is shameful, and we all ought to bear that. Have our souls forgot where we're at in our lives? Verse number six, or motivation number six, the love of Christ compels us. This ought to be exciting. The love of Christ compels us. Verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Well, there's a big statement. But for him who died for them and rose again. So uh, our motivation, number six, ought to be that God's love compels us. Our love for him, right, as a believer, we ought to love him enough to want to do it, serve him. We ought to love him enough that we could say, yes, my, my uh, desire is to fulfill my ministry. It should motivate us to do that. Uh, and I think we could say this, that our, our love for him would directly correlate to our relationship with him, our fellowship with him. Let me say it that way. So um, our relationship's been settled in heaven as a believer, uh, but... If we don't have a good fellowship, if we're not studying his word and living for him and, and seeking to please him, then um, perhaps we need to, to search our hearts a little bit and see why we don't love him more after he's saved us and done this for us. But then the other part, the other flip side of us loving him is that he loves us. And he loved us while we were unlovable and uh, sinful, and he broke, he's the one that broke the barrier for us, 
by dying on the cross when while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we need to understand his love goes beyond and, and ought to challenge us to love him and to serve him, and it ought to be a motivator. Now, motivation number seven. We are a new creation in Christ. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We, we have a new outlook on life, right? A new, uh, a new creation we are. God created in us a spirit and gave us his spirit that ought to desire to serve him. I'm going to read a, a, another verse, and let's talk about this for a minute. Romans 6, 4, Therefore we, are, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We have the picture of Jesus' uh, death, burial, and resurrection, right? We, we portray that in our baptism and the spirit when we become a believer baptizes us into God's family we're we're baptized in in and with the Holy Spirit just as Pastor Scott says in the baptismal waters buried uh, in the night likeness of his death and raised to walk in the newness of life that's the objective of every believer would be that we would walk and serve him is in a new way in a new life uh, that we can identify. A real spiritual transaction took place when we were saved. And that was that we were put in Christ. Paul, one of uh, Paul's favorite phrases, in Christ. We're in Christ. And we're baptized with the Spirit, um, every believer. All right. Now we've looked at seven different seven different uh, motivations to minister. Now we've reached the, the point where we're back at the ministry of reconciliation, motivation number eight. He reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18, uh, which we read before, let's read it again. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We, we haven't approached Christ. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says uh, that God was reconciling the world to himself, right? He's the offended party. We offended him with our sin. And so therefore, he's the one that has provided the way back. He's the one that's reconciling the world back to him, not us reconciling God to us. He's reconciling the word back world back to him. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son 
And he did that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I read those verses before. Motivation number nine. We've been given the proper tools for ministry, the Word of God. You know, we say, okay, we've got a ministry, we've got a mission. How do we do it? The Word of God is given to us. Verse 19, that is that the Word, uh, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to him, to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He's given us the word of reconciliation. So now we, we have a mission, a ministry of reconciliation to the world, our world around us, the ones you come in contact with, and he's given us the tools to be successful, the word that we can take. That word is the good news, the gospel, and we can take that word to others around us. And, and we've been, been hitting this pretty hard in our class in the last weeks. Um, I think they're tired of hearing it by now, I guess, probably. But uh, how are we sharing the word with the, the world that we're in contact with? And we have to understand that. And, you know, uh, if we can, uh, let's take a moment and say, read that verse. It says, not imputing their trespasses to them. Those uh, that are being reconciled unto God do not have their sins imputed or attributed to or charged with, right? But if we look in verse 21, and they, and, and uh, let's, let's read verse 21, it says, And he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became sin for us. Now, how does that work? He, does not, he was not guilty of sin. That's one thing we can learn. He wasn't guilty of sin, right? If you ever broke the law, you're guilty. Christ never broke the law, so he's not guilty of sin. He never sinned, so therefore he's not a sinner. And so that's not how he took the, the sin of us upon him and scripture says that he was sinless so what we need to understand is the way that God paid for our sin was that they were imputed or they were in they were charged or attributed to God and he bore the sin of the world for us as a believer my sins pay it's been attributed to him and covered if you're not a believer You'll pay for your, your own sin debt. We have the Word of God. Scripture says that it's powerful. Hebrews 12, 4.12 says, The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and then the joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You say, well, I don't know how I can, can reach the world for Christ, my world for Christ. You can with God's word, right? And he's given you, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power, right? So you have the power of the Holy Spirit and you have the word. Listen to this in Acts 4.31, uh, the disciples, uh, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, 
and were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Our job is to reconcile the world through Christ's word, the gospel. Reconciling your world and mine directly. Who are you sharing the gospel with? Who am I sharing the gospel with? That's a message that we need to resonate in our lives. Now, quickly, verse number 10, or motivation number 10. We have an, a mission. Look in verse 20. Now then, if you look through uh, this chapter, you, every few verses you see, therefore, 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 referring back to what he had just said. Now he's kind of concluding it. He could have said, therefore, but he says, now then. In summary, now then, you've gotten all these motivations. You've gotten the, the, the facts. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors. The ambassador reflects the position of the one who sends him. Who sends us? The king of kings sends us. Jesus Christ sends us into the world. He said, go ye therefore. He sends us to go into the world, your world and mine, that we might share it, uh, the gospel message with, with them to redeem those and reconcile those who are outside of Christ. John MacArthur puts it this way, our mission is to present the gospel to those who come in contact with us or we come in contact with them. Plead with them, that's our, our job, on the king's behalf for them to be reconciled to, to God who is their rightful king. Notice here uh, a thought. He says, you are ambassadors for Christ. It does not say, it does not say that someday when you get a little bit more spiritual, you should become a, an ambassador. He says, you are an ambassador. It doesn't say when I'm done doing the things that I want to do. He said, you are an ambassador. Or I'll leave it up to Pastor Scott. He's the, he's the pastor and, and he is the one that goes out and wins the souls. He says, you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. You and me, we have a mission of carrying out the gospel message, reconciling the word, uh, uh, the world unto uh, Christ through his word. We're either going to be a good ambassador or one that's not so good. I'm going to just share uh, in a couple of minutes left to conclude. Our class, and they're probably going to be... Uh, bothered by this because I've talked about it for months. I think we started in July and most of the summer we've been talking about the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And just as he says you are the ambassadors for Christ in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Mount, Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. In Matthew cha chapter 5 verse 13 through 16 he says you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? 
It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Listen to this, verse uh, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We need to be salt and light to the world. Salt is uh, a flavor. It flavors things that need flavor. I use the example of the egg. I can't eat an egg without some salt on it, right? But I don't, I don't say, Betty, hand me the salt shaker, and I take the lid off and get one grain of salt and put it on there. This salt is a community. It takes a sprinkling of it, and it takes you and me as a community, a church body, a family, to share and to flavor the world. We can't do it on our own. It's not meant to be done that way. We're to do it together. Salt stings, right? You've heard putting salt in a wound. That was a medicinal purpose back then with honey and salt. And you put salt in a wound, but boy, that stings, doesn't it? But you know what? Sometimes our words need to sting a little bit when we're sharing the gospel to wake someone up so that they hear the gospel and will believe. So we need to uh, let uh, the word of God sting. We're afraid sometimes to do that. And then salt creates a thirst, right? Are we salty to the point where we can create a thirst for how our lives are and, and what we say so that they say, yeah, I'm thirsty for that. And then the last one is that salt is a preservative. We need to understand this world is not getting better. We obviously can see that with the wars uh, that are going on and the, the evil people that are doing terrible things. But this world's not getting better. It's getting worse. And it will continue to get worse. And only you and I, through the gospel message, can stop the decay. It's not going to get better if we're not sharing the gospel. It's not going to get better if we don't pursue reaching those that are evil or unsaved, right? Those that need Christ, if we don't reach out to them to preserve uh, the world around us. So, we need to be salty. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. We're, we're like salt that's thrown out to be trampled on. It's, it's of no use. They used it to pave roads back in the day. That's all they used it for because it lost its flavor. Have you lost your flavor? Or do you, are you like a lamp that's just under a bushel? Or do you put your light of the gospel of Christ on a lampstand so that the world can see it? Your world can see it. So to wrap this up, uh, let's ask a few questions. Has your soul forgot what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be uh, the instrument that God desires to use in this world. He's given us a ministry and he's given us a mission. Are you being an ambassador 
what kind, you are being an ambassador as a believer. What kind are you being? What can motivate you in the ministry? Maybe you've never experienced the ministry of reconciliation. God sent his son to die on the cross for your sin and mine. Please, as God said, plead, as pleading like God was pleading on uh, him very, his very self, please be saved. We have an invitation this morning. Andrew's going to come up. We'll have a prayer here in a minute. I'm not looking for anybody to come forward. He says, uh, what I'd like to see is someone in their heart, not sharing it with anybody else, say, yeah, I need to be an ambassador. I need to use the ministry of reconciliation to the people in my life, in my world. Whether you need to be reconciled unto God or pick up that ministry of reconciliation, let's all do that today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your word that is so clear. We ought to serve you, but our flesh is weak. Help to embolden us to speak your word with boldness through your Holy Spirit. May we learn and grow to carry out your work here on this earth to our world. Those that we love, those that we come in contact with, those that we work with at the grocery store, wherever it might be, Lord, may we be a light on a lampstand instead of under a bushel. Pray for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Andrew. Stand with me and have our invitation withdraw me near. <laughs> I am
All right, several announcements I, I need to make, but before I make these, I just want to reiterate, we say this a lot, um, just because the music has ended doesn't mean the invitation has ended. If you need to be reconciled to God, don't wait to make that decision. Decide now. And anybody here would love to talk to, to you about that. Any of the members, deacons, pastors, we would love to talk to you about being reconciled to God. If you need to make that decision, do so before you leave today. Uh, announcements coming up. So first, tonight at 7 o'clock, we have Facebook Live with Pastor Scott. He'll be back in the saddle tonight. He's here, but uh, obviously he, he's had a busy week, so we want to uh, tune in tonight at 7 o'clock for Facebook Live. The next uh, several days and weeks, we have a lot of things going on, just a few of the things going on. Friday night, we have uh, a committed life activity at Brittany and Eric Brockmorton's house. If you need that address, be sure to see them or, or me or look in your church directory. Uh, that'll be a bonfire at 6 o'clock on Friday night. Saturday is the Monster Hunt with the youth group. That'll be 7 o'clock at the Maloney's. And then Fall Fest will be coming up right behind that. So we'll have Halloween on the 31st, and then Fall Fest is on Sunday, November the 5th. Now, that's Time Change Sunday, so don't forget to fall back. Um, that'll be 3 to 6 p.m. here at the church. Be sure to sign up. If you're a member here, be sure to sign up to help with different activities. There are, there are supplies that you can buy and bring. Uh, there's a, a board out in the lobby. If you have any questions about that, see Miss Betty or, or any of the, the staff. They'll be able to help you out with that. Um, and then uh, the last announcement is the Thanksgiving banquet, which seems like it's a, a long time away, but it's not. It's only a few weeks away. Be sure to sign up for that. Let us know how many people you're planning to bring for that. We're looking forward to that. With that, you're dismissed.